On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. If you can picture it, picture it. Two young artists start collaborating in 2007 after meeting at art school in Santiago, Chile. Their names, Crisabel Leon and Joaquin Cochina. After collaborating on many different projects together, including a couple of music videos and short films, they turned their attention to what they called a national trauma, the dictatorship of General Pinochet and what happened behind the secluded walls of colonial dignidad. Partnering with General Pinochet throughout the 70s and 80s, the isolated colony, where rumors of torture and child abuse were already whispered, soon also became a concentration camp for political prisoners and crimes against humanity. Cristobal and Joaquin wanted this to be discussed, so using fan and camera, they decided to produce their film in more than 10 different art institutions and opened their studio as an art show slash residency. The film took five years to make, but finally had its premiere at the 2018 Berlin International Film Festival. The movie, La Casa Lobo, also known as Wolf House, and our film of the week. So sit back and don't smother yourself in that honey. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. And I'm Brittany. And uh, we're covering Wolf House this week, episode 88, I want to say. I could be wrong. It is 88. I was right. 88. Nice. I cannot believe. Oh, that's crazy. Nice. How are you, Brett? I'm okay. It's been a crazy week. What about you, Katie? How have you been doing? I am good. I'm a little sad the Bengals didn't win the Super Bowl, but they only lost by three points. And uh, I feel like, and again, I'm not a big football person, and I'm sorry if LA was your team, but it was like they were behind, and both teams were fouling each other, but they kept calling it in, like, favor of LA, because it's like they really wanted them to get that touchdown. And I was like, All right, is this is this normal? Because I don't watch enough football to know. But it's fine. We have a young team. And no, no offense to LA, but a lot of their players are about to retire. So I'm like, you know what? Whatever. Okay. The Bengals are young. The ones we have now. Oh, it was a, it was a good game to watch. And the halftime show was the best I've seen in a long time. Lady Gaga had a good halftime show, but this one was like, can I, is this, is it just me or does this seem like the most collaborative Super Bowl? Because it really seemed like, and all of these performers have worked together before, but they were all like playing off of each other and you could really tell like they were like working the music together. I don't know. It was nice. The only one I'm not as familiar with is Kendrick Lamar. 
because I have oh, not listened Kendrick. to any of his solo stuff. I haven't listened to any of his solo <laughs> stuff, but I've listened to all of his songs that he's set, like he's guest sang and other people's like Taylor oh. Swift and stuff. And I like him, but I'm like, I have not listened to enough of his solo stuff to be familiar with his, these songs, but the performance was good. I love it. You got to start with Good Kid, Mad City. It's it's a phenomenal album. It, you, I'm sure you heard Swimming Pools, which is like pour up, drink, headshot, drink, like Swimming Pools is an incredible song. It's the first Kendrick song I ever heard. But Good Kid, Mad City had like five singles, like "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe," a "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe." I like his, I like his version of "Bad Blood" with Taylor Swift. It's good. Yeah, he got the rap. Oh, but you know what? To pimp a butterfly, which was the follow up to Good okay. Kid, Mad City, is very poetic. I love Kendrick Lamar, and I, I'm, I'm very white, and and but he's Me incredible. Too. He's very poetic with his. <laughs> He's uh I don't know if you guys get you guys don't get to see us, but we are both very white. We're very uh, white. But Sorry. We're very like not not just like Caucasian, like pale Caucasian. We're very so. pale people. <laughs> Which I will say I was saying this before, but there were a lot of people on TikTok that were reading like these old boomer tweets where they were like why are there no white people performing? I was like, I'm sorry. Do you not know that Eminem is a white man? That's I want. It was like that that. <laughs> The part from New <laughs> was like a white man. No, I was like, no, he was there, and there oh. there were white dancers. So I don't really know like what they like. I don't understand what the problem was. I was like, hip hop is a predominantly black music genre, and there are some people because it was hip hop and rap, but there are some white people that sing hip hop and rap but like they're not few and far between because white people are kind of dorky and don't sound cool and i'm sorry like do you want to hear me rap you don't you don't okay so i like i obviously being millennial we grew up with eminem and like um yeah like the real slim shady probably came out when we were like eight or nine but Mm -hmm. for some reason i don't know why but you know you have all these very iconic black artists performing and eminem came in closer to the end and all i can think of is who's who's goddamn white baby (laughs) set what do you mean like i was like why are you i don't understand why people were i I didn't find it offensive i literally said out loud i said you know what i think this was the most family friendly like quote-unquote rap performance i've ever seen because no one was like naked everyone was clothed nicely um everyone was dancing appropriately but not like no one was like it it wasn't like i didn't think it was offensive at all but all these people all these like people who probably didn't even watch it were like oh my god it's they're clutching their pearls and i was just like i really thought it was fine i did not expect 50 cent to drop down from the ceiling I was very excited. I liked that dance sequence. And Mary J. Blige, oh my god, somebody, oh, yeah. one of my coworkers was like, her outfit though, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? She looked amazing. She's 51 years old. That woman can wear yeah. whatever the fuck she wants. I could not wear that. She can wear it because she looks amazing. Don't you besmirch the name of Mary J. Blige. And she hit some really good notes in a high pressure situation. I mean, she's a like you know multi grammy winner but still that's still hard in that situation so i thought she did a great job and i like that it i don't know it just felt very collaborative i really liked it but again i think they're trying to get the millennials to watch more football but yeah i did have one housekeeping by the way okay which i uh so i said that M- there was an emma watson movie about colonia dignidad 
Um, it's not called Circle. I don't know why I called it Circle. I think that is a different cult oh, movie. Oh, she is in a movie. Colonia. She's in a movie called Circle. It's yeah, but it's called Colonia. Is ah. the one that's about Colonia Dignidad, which makes more sense. So sorry. No, but it happens. I think that's the only housekeeping that I had. Did you watch anything? new this week so you uh you know i've had a very weird week uh and i did want to tell i think oh yeah i will say yes i will say very quickly i think it's a funny story and it's a little relatable to the super bowl in a very weird way so um friday oh. um uh, my old co-workers they sometimes have their pet dogs so they were like oh the new girl brought her dog come see this dog and of course i'm like dogs yes so i leave my job go to my old job to see the dog as I'm leaving the building, I find a golden retriever running yeah. around the industrial park. So I sit outside with him for about 45 minutes. And I'm like, maybe someone will come up looking for this pup. They never do. So I put this golden retriever in my car. And I take him to the nearest vet. And we're looking for a microchip. And as we're sitting in the right. lobby, people are starting to pick up their dogs from the doggy daycare and the vet clinic. And there is this oh. cutest pit bull. Uh, he, he walks in. His mom picks him up. And he's wearing a chain, and his name is 50 Cent. And they go, 50, your mom's here to pick you up. And so... <laughs> so 50 oh leaves the building. 50 leaves the building. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And then, like, his mom That's comes great. back in. She goes, 50... His mom comes back in. She goes, 50 came in with two chains today. And they go, walking. And then... <laughs> And they go, hey, hey, uh, 50's missing one of his chains. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. I mean, why? what else would you do if your dog was named 50? I mean, or I guess, so is his name cute. actually 50 Cent? Yeah, his name's 50 Cent. I mean, but he was so cute. Lean into he was it. so cute. So That's adorable. I loved him. I loved him. But between rescuing Tucker and then finding uh, little Bubba, the, yes, the Brittany's other... rescued two dogs this weekend. Yeah, it's a uh, it's 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 wonderful. It's just time consuming. I only it's got a full to watch one job. movie. Yes, it's it's you need a... to make that TikTok video. Like it's a full time job, and nobody understands a... how hard it is. Just like get next to the dogs and do like a thumbs up or something. The dogs are like silently silently judging me. What the hell are you, you doing? Lady? You need a slideshow of all the dogs you found because I swear I was telling Ryan this before we start recording. I was like, Brittany found two dogs this weekend, but it's not the first time because like like not every week, but like every couple of months, Brittany's like, I found a random stray dog who's not really a stray, but obviously um, they got out, and it's just a funny. Couple, a couple of months ago, I was getting ready to head back to work and I literally found two dogs roaming the neighborhood and I rode around with them in my car for three hours so like I would routinely call my boss being like a lady said I could take them to the uh, police department and the police department was like that is a lie please tell people <laughs> to stop telling people that so then I put the dogs what? back in the car and I'm like calling my boss I'm like they lied about the police department and so they're like Jeez. contacting rescue organizations i'm like i have these dogs and they're like we can't take them so me and this like poodle and this little pit bull are just riding around in my car together like so uh and that was a three and a half hour ordeal before someone finally messaged me and goes oh my god those are my dogs and i'm like thank you god so yeah it does happen every so often but you know i always say little buddy my, 
Yeah, we got little we got little buddy that we're trying to find a uh, rescue organization for, and he is the sweetest. But it's a struggle. There were I won't get on my soapbox about it, but it's very infuriating. There was people at the beginning of the pandemic who thought that they could get COVID from their animals, and so they surrendered their animals. And so animal Which welfare has been yeah, it has been a absolute shit show. And that's why so many rescues and shelters are just completely slammed full because already situations like that. And then even worse, people have gotten COVID and gotten very sick or died and they've had to surrender their animals or their animals were left without homes. Um, so it's, it's a very, for those listening out there, this is my little soapbox, you know, just if you're an animal lover, you don't always have the money to donate. That's fine. But educate, volunteer, donate a bag of dog food if you can. Any help is always appreciated um, for our animal friends. But um, with that being said, I only got to watch one movie, and it was The Hand of God, which is uh, nominated oh. for Best International Film. Um, I will admit, I'm not, I haven't seen as many Italian films, and I liked it. It's beautifully shot. Like, it is an absolutely gorgeous movie. It has some of my favorite, like, cinematography I think I've seen in a film this past year. Oh, yay. But without spoilers, there is a, one of the strangest, most uncomfortable sexual scenes I think I've seen in a film. Oh. In a very okay. long time. All it's right. not- Is it more uncomfortable than Stranger by the Lake? In a different context, yes. Okay. But it's not, not I, I will uncomfortable, say just very it's not, graphic. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not nudity graphic, and it's not. Okay. It's not rape at all. It's nothing like that. It's just a. Is it puppy I don't play? Spoil it. No, 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 no. It's. It's not. It's, <laughs> Sorry. It, it. It. It's. It's. I. I no, can't spoil no it for you, Katie, because I know if you watch it, you will understand what I'm saying. Okay. There is a quote I would love to say to you. But you would just be like, what the fuck? And it would take okay. it all the way. Uh, I'll probably but, watch it soon. But um, but with that being said, the movie is autobiographical. It is based on oh, okay. the director's life. I don't think it's a straight okay. autobiography, but it is still, it's based on his life. And there, please don't read anything about his life because it will ruin a, a very strong, very emotional aspect of the film if you read anything about oh, okay. his life. Okay. So, but it is, I like it. I recommend it. It's just, it's, I, like I said, I'm not very used to Italian films, so I'm not yeah. for sure if it's something that's more normal than what I'm used to or not. But I do I like mean, it. I do recommend it. But uh, what did you, what did you watch this week, Katie? I was a busy bee um, because I've already seen The Wolf House before, so I only had to watch mm-hmm. it like one time this weekend. So I... Watched the first two episodes of Euphoria, season one, finally. it I really like it. It's got, like, an interesting sense of humor, and it looks really pretty, and the performances are great. There's been some controversy lately with, like, how often, like, some of the actresses have to be nude. It is rather violent, but it's also kind of funny. Zendaya, Zendaya is a funny actress, so, like, she's been, she's hilarious. She's got a dry wit. But I haven't watched past the first two episodes, so don't spoil anything for me. But I understand why people like it, and it's A24. But movie-wise, Spencer came on Hulu, so I watched Spencer. I agree with what I had heard. It's very tonally uneven, and the best part of the movie is Kristen Stewart. And there's parts, and we'll go more into this with our Oscar episode, but, like, there's parts where, like, they... It's a weird score. Like, some of it's, like, more classic score, and some of it's, like, freeform jazz, which I think they're trying to 
portray the chaos of the scene that's going on and how uncontrollable how out of control Diana's life is to her. It, like, I get what they were going for, but they tune up that music so loud that during, like, scenes where, like, Diana and Charles are, like, fighting about their relationship. And I'm like, can we just, like, let the scene be? Because these people are giving really good performances and you can't, it's just, like, it's distracting. So I didn't really like that. I didn't see Jackie. So I don't know if that's, like, a running theme Mm-mm. With no, him. That, I don't remember happening, Jackie. Okay. But it, that was distracting. And it was like, like, it would like flash back to her childhood. And there were like dream sequences, but not enough dream sequences where it made sense. Like, it wasn't clear what was a dream and what wasn't. And it didn't seem like, I don't know. It just it was kind of messy, but it was pretty. And they were really good performances but Kristen Stewart's the best part and I think she she did really transform herself into Princess Diana and I do think she deserves her nomination especially because like I used to say she couldn't act her way out of a paper bag after Twilight but obviously she can so yeah. uh she did a really good job I also watched Flea which I really yes. liked I kind of nodded off at parts so I feel like I need to rewatch it but I liked it a lot it does remind me a lot of Persepolis but obviously it's a different person, but it was a very similar kind of story with fleeing fleeing a Middle Eastern country to Europe. And it was interesting in the culture shift, but Persepolis is, you know, a woman. And then this is, I don't want to spoil anything about the character. Uh, is it spoiling it to say? Well, no, it, it, it's told, it's, you, you find it out in the first 10 minutes of the movie. So I don't really consider that yeah. a spoiler. So, you know, he's coming from a very, well... The regime that his family was escaping from is much like the Iranian regime that we covered in Under the Shadow, where they are very conservative and not supportive of gay rights, and he is gay. And, I mean, his family was in danger anyways, but, like, it's kind of a similar thing. Like, women and people who are gay do not, they don't have a lot of rights in Afghanistan, or that Afghanistan that regime, and then, and, and not the Taliban, <laughs> or, like, yeah. in Iran, and because it's religious fanatics, uh, which uh, feeds into our movie. Yeah. But the last thing I watched, which honestly was a bit of a disappointment, um, was Nightmare Alley. Yeah. It's very It's long. okay. It was too okay. Too long. It's too long. It was very pretty, and I liked the performances. I liked the circus stuff. I didn't mm-hmm. really like the second half as much. And the main character was so unlikable, I was not rooting for him. So I wasn't like, I just wasn't into him at all. I hated him. He was such a jackass. And he did, they just, he just didn't have any redeeming qualities. And Bradley Cooper's got like a very punchable face. <laughs> like he doesn't look like a person who like, I, I don't know him personally, obviously. Also, do you feel this way? So I, I like Bradley Cooper just because one, I love Rocket Raccoon. Um, but two, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but Rocket Raccoon is uh, a punchable character. Like you love him, love but Rocket. he's an asshole. He's he, I mean, cute. He's sweet, um, but he's also an asshole. But, so it makes sense. And he's a but, lovable asshole. But let me ask you. I like Bradley Cooper. Like, I thought he was amazing as a star is born. And I don't think he's a bad actor. I, I think a lot of movies I like that I like he's in. But do you feel like he was too old for this role? He's not old, but I felt he was too old for this yeah. role. It was a little bit of that, too. Because, like, okay, because him and Kate Blanchett's 
like, whatever. Like, okay, it made sense when he was just with Rooney Mara. I was yeah. like, oh, he's older, taking care of her. But then Kate Blanchett comes over, and she's not, she's really, she looks very close in age to him, so the dynamic yeah. was off, in my opinion. And I don't know, I just feel like they should have shortened it. And I love Guillermo del Toro. Like, I I love him, but I, I just, this was like, you know how we said there was something missing in Crimson Peak? This is like mm-hmm. an even bigger piece missing. Which, I don't yeah. know if it's just, I don't know. Because it was like, I think he wrote and directed it. He which did. is his norm. But I just, I didn't like it as much. I didn't hate it. But I was like, yeah. I was like checking how lo- much longer I had left. Like, and see, don't you feel, this is, I know we'll get into our Oscar discussion. And I know we'll get to see Cyrano. At, we'll get to see Cyrano at the end of the month. But I'm still like, is this the better movie than Tick, Tick, Boom? Like, when no. I think about, yeah. No. It's pretty. I, it's definitely pretty. Now, we're both theater people, so maybe we have a more romanticized view of Tick, Tick, Boom. I put I put a TikTok on my personal TikTok about all the Oscar snubs, because you know I'm a cynical bitch. Brittany did a very beautiful, like, sweet, funny video about the best picture ones, which I totally agree with her sentiment. But then I was like, I'm a, I, like, it was, I was literally thinking as I was going to sleep the night before I saw Brittany's, I was like, I'm gonna make an Oscar snub one. And then, like, I, I got on TikTok and I was like, oh, Brittany made a best picture one. I was like, how, how fortuitous. We're both on the same page. But I'm cynical about it. I mean, there was just some, like, I thought Passing was going to get nominated. Yeah. I don't know why it didn't get nominated. I I mean, I knew Malignant wasn't going to get nominated, but I wanted it to. But Tick, Tick, Boom, I thought was going to be up for Best Picture. I thought Lin-Manuel Miranda deserved a Best Director nomination because I honestly think... I want to see more stuff directed by him. I yeah. really think he is, you know, there's that idiot that directed Cats and Les Mis and he's terrible. Sorry. I'm sure you're a very nice man. I'm sorry. I just hate the way you direct musicals. I can't Mark remember Hopper? the name. Mark Hopper? Hopper? Yes. Mark Hopper. Hopper? Okay. He doesn't yeah. know how to direct musicals properly, in my opinion, because he has them sing live, but then they're singing with a keyboard and then you mix that singing with an orchestra, and it's just off. It's just off, and the performances are dead and, or just oh, bad. And I, no offense to Mr. Hopper, because he's done other... He did the King's Speech, too, and I love the King's Speech. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a good director. That's, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have called you an idiot. Brian, maybe strike me calling him an idiot. I don't know. But Mark <laughs> Hopper, you're not an idiot. You're a good director, but musicals are not your thing. Lin-Manuel Miranda, because he is a big musical lover, if you know musicals and you listen to Hamilton... Hamilton especially, he has a lot of, like, nods to other musicals and lines of dialogue that are taken from other musicals that if you know musical theater, you're like, ah, that's hilarious. And I can't think of a specific one, but there's a lot of, like, like he like homages to other musicals. He's a musical theater lover. That's why he is such a good composer. And he knows how to stage a musical. I think he's a better director than he is a performer, personally. And I'm glad he's kind of transitioned into being more of a director because I think that's his strength. And I am upset he didn't get nominated. I'm, I don't feel like it was the worst year for nominees, but there are just some weird ones. Like, like, I don't understand the love affair with Adam McKay movies. Uh, don't don't look up, don't look up is disappointing. It's, it's, it's decent in parts, but it is not, it is definitely the weak point on the list this year. He's kind of an inconsistent director. Like, I've never really wanted to watch any of his movies all the way through because it's just inconsistent. 
And he gets good people. I think he must be a fun person to work with. I just, it's not the style for me. So, I don't know. But the Oscar, whoever votes the Oscar love Adam McKay, apparently. So, I don't know. But uh, Drive My Car is coming on HBO Max. Yes. So is West Side Story, which is also coming to Disney+. Plus. I think something else is coming to Disney+, and I now can't remember. So, I'm going to try to trek through and watch that. I want to watch a couple more of the documentaries, because I like documentaries, but I haven't really. And I don't know... If I'm gonna watch any of the animated other than Flea and Encanto, which I've already seen. But yeah, I just like I think I missed the mark this year. I watched a bunch of movies that I could have swore like Last Night in Soho didn't get nominated for even like production design. I yeah, was like or costume. Like, I was like, what? Okay. Last night in Soho, like I told you when we left the theater, I was like, it's an okay movie. Like I knew it probably wouldn't get nominated, but that's okay. I think it'll become a cult classic. Like it's one of those yeah. movies. I didn't see it being the type of movie to be nominated for awards. I thought it was a little heavy-handed in some places, but I think it's going to... I thought production I think design, love it. Yeah. I thought production design was so Ooh. interesting and how they filmed everything was so technically yeah. spectacular, except for the very finale. That was weird. But, like, everything else was so good. And you then know, he also movie- got nominated for Baby Driver, so, like, at this point, I'm like, I thought y'all liked him. What? Yeah. The, you know what? It's There's a lot of movies, though, because I was thinking, I was like, oh, shit, I really need to try to see Red Rocket, because everyone kept talking about Red Rocket yeah. possibly being a nominee, and then it was nowhere to be found either, so. But I know yes. um, we are coming up on our Oscar episode, and I think in another two weeks, so we should probably move along uh, back to our movie yes. this week. So, yes. Katie, it's your pick. Why don't you start us into this a little bit? So, we are doing The Wolf House, or La Casa Lobo. This movie is one that I'm surprised wasn't nominated for an Oscar the year it came out. It took, like, five years to make, and it is stop-motion animation. And I won't tell you guys everything about the movie, because I don't want to spoil it, but I do think it is important to know that it is framed as propaganda from Colonia Dignidad, or... A colony just like it. And the creator said that they wanted this film to come from Colonia Dignidad and be directed by Paul Schaefer, who was their leader from our intro for like two decades until 1990 when he went to hiding and then was later arrested in 1997. So I so I saw this movie, oh, on, it was on Criterion. That was the only thing it was on for a while. And now it's on Shudder and Tubi. I do believe, and I had heard about it, and I was curious. I heard it was very creepy. It was, like, the creepiest animated movie, like, anyone had ever seen, and it is very creepy looking, but it's also very beautiful at times, and I love the movie kind of moves because, like, it's not, like, other stop-motion animation where they try to make it, like, realistic. Like, everything, like, like one scene will set up, and, like, you see them put together every piece of the furniture and move it. And then when it changes, like, that'll, like, melt down and then transform to the next scene. So it's, like, everything's always moving all the time, which I think is really beautiful, but also very creepy. But I saw this movie and I I knew the setup that it was, like, a fake propaganda movie. But then I wasn't, I wasn't super familiar with Colonia Dignidad, which is surprising because I think I've said this many times. I, and a lot of us are I'm obsessed with like cults and like especially like religious cults like I find the psychology of a cult fascinating 
And I've always been into that stuff. When we did Pippin in college, we did it like a cult is putting on the play, which makes sense if you know the ending of Pippin, because, spoiler alert, they try to get him to burn himself alive. It's a great play. (laughs) It's a great musical. And, like, I was like, yes, absolutely. I want to be in a, like, I I don't really want to be in a cult, but, like, I love the psychology of it. So, anyways, I went down a fucking rabbit hole and ended up calling my parents after i watched this movie i was like did you guys know about colonia dignidad and they kind of had heard about it but it was more of pinochet the dictator that they knew about which i'm sorry americans apparently we helped f- with the coup that put him in power because we thought oh, the wow. old government wasn't i guess they weren't very i was trying to read it it was a little confusing but it sounds like we backed the wrong horse basically thinking that he would be very friendly to u.s and i don't think he ended up being very friendly to u.s but also he had a bunch of humanitarian issues because he did become a dictator um and i won't go too far into that but basically pinochet was a general there was a coup he became the dictator for about uh, the 70s to 1990, 1990, and the Colonia Dignidad thrived during his um, time. And just quickly to go over how that became a thing, Paul Schaefer was a Nazi, but not like he wasn't, he like grew up in the, in like when that was indoctrinated in children, but then he like served the Nazis as a medic. So it wasn't a very high ranking Nazi, but. If you, if you would think that's the worst thing about this man, right? Like, he's a Nazi. That's fucking terrifying and awful. Well, he also was a pedophile and convicted. So I, I he's dead, too. So who cares? But a convicted pedophile. In Germany, he didn't want people to know he had been a Nazi after the war. So he pretended to be. And I listened to a an episode of the podcast Cult. And a Al Jazeera, like, expose called by Lucia Newman called The Colony Chile's Dark Past Uncovered. And one, she said he pretended to be a a Baptist minister. The other place said Lutheran. So, but a Protestant minister. Mm. He lost his eye, had a glass eye, just to add to the supervillain effect, I guess. No, I have friends who have glass eyes. There's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like... When you're already, like, a creepy person, like, it just adds to it. So he, uh, like, loses his eye, pretends to be a minister because he doesn't want people to know he was a Nazi, which, okay. And then he starts molesting children. He's not super cautious about it, which is weird because they were saying most people, you know, tend to, like, not molest children if they think they can get caught. And this guy was just very brazen about it, which makes him even worse. And so he fled with a bunch of his religious zealots to Chile, like a lot of Nazis did. And he uh, basically started this, he helped start Colonia Dignidad, and then he became their leader eventually. And he called himself Permanent Uncle, was his title, which is so creepy. (laughs) that is creepy because not only did they like were they like a closed community um of religious zealots and they like made all their money with agricultural stuff and it's very similar to the warren jeff situation where it's like no sex for anyone except for me and i'm gonna molest the children and everyone has to work in the fields like kids went to work at seven 
they were like an agricultural community, but everyone outside the cult thought they were like just harmless little people because that's how the directors found out about it because they used to go on vacation with their parents and they would stop at like a roadside stand that was for this agricultural community where they sold like their honey and stuff, which will come into play later. And Mm -hmm. they were like, oh, oh, that's creepy when they found out it was a cult. So also supposedly they uh, harbored criminals like Joseph Mengel, fuck him. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who that is, fucking, he was the doctor that, like, came up with all the experiments on children in the concentration camps. And he fled to South America. And all the adults, all the children were taken away from their biological parents and raised communally. And they had to refer to all the adults as aunts and uncles. So nobody, sometimes you didn't know who your parents and siblings were. Sometimes you did, but sometimes you didn't. Oh, um, does that remind about... you of Midsummer? Sorry. Yes. That remind like you of Midsummer. Yeah. Well, and, Sorry, and go it, on. they followed the bite model of authoritarian control, which it's a it, the bite method is like how cults control people. And it's behavioral control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And they had all four of them, which is why all these people like were there for so long. Anyways, eventually Pinochet asked them to, they had like underground tunnels in this little Bavarian town they built in Chile, which it looked like Bavaria. Ever more like later Hosen, but they were in Chile and you're like, what? Okay. And they like would torture and like kill people for the dictator in exchange for him not telling anyone about all the child molestation going on. And Pinochet also, just to, you know, we thought this movie would be interesting because it's propaganda and with everything going on with the book burnings and book bannings, we thought this would be an interesting topic Uh, because Pinochet also burned books, specifically Marxist ideas, but he even burned books on cubism, which is an art form, because I guess it was too wild and crazy. But yeah, basically the permanent uncle was finally sent to prison in 1997 after 26 mm. children reported sexual abuse. He's mm. dead. He died in jail. And Pinochet also died in jail, I do believe. And they didn't grant him, a, like, a state funeral, but they let him have, like, a general's funeral. And I saw a picture of mm. his gross corpse in a glass box. It's creepy. It's fucked up. Anyways, so this movie is... Basically, the cult trying to indoctrinate ch- ch- like young members or new members about why it's important not to leave the confines of the cult. And it's like basically the three little pigs, but twisted. Yeah. And it's very disturbing. If you know that going into it, I think this movie is enjoyable. If you don't know that going into it, I feel like you might. Because they present it like you're just watching this movie. Like they don't, they don't like, it's, what was, oh, what movie did we do? It's like Norai. The curse. Like, oh, yeah, it very curse, much just yeah. seems like, oh, yeah, I'm just sitting here watching this propaganda film. But it's like, you need context. It's like when they, I don't know if you guys had to watch Birth of the, of the Nation in history class, but we had to watch it. But there was like, context, children. These are bad people. We do not like the KKK. They're evil. But it's, you have to know what this propaganda was. And that's how the KKK became such a hateful, awful organization is because, like, it got popularized with things like this movie. And, like, that's why they made us watch it. But, like, my teacher was very, like, and this was in high school, too. They were, like, which I'm Catholic. They didn't like Catholics either. They tried to they tried to burn my childhood church in the 60s because 
we were Catholic and it was a mission church for black families. So, you know, twofold of hatred from them. So the priest came out with a shotgun and scared them away. Apparently. Supposedly. I It's a cool story. Anyways, but like, I feel like if you have the context, this movie is so interesting. If you don't have the context, you might be like, what the fuck am I watching? Or you might get indoctrinated into a creepy cult. I don't know. Oh, and Dignidad's still around. Kind of. Like, it's not as culty anymore, and they've opened it to the public, and you can, like, stay there, apparently. You can visit. So that's, I'm sorry, that, I feel like I talked about it way longer than I meant. No, you're good. It's, it's, to me, I had to go down a rabbit hole, because it's so freaking confusing. Yeah. Because they're, like, German, oh, also, you could only speak German there, even though, so, so they isolated them from the native people around them, because they only let people speak German in there. So, like, if you escaped, you didn't know Spanish. Oh, yeah. So it's like true. You, you got out and then you're like, I can't tell anybody because they won't let me learn. It's like when closed sex, like, you know, like there's there's a closed sex of Judaism and like Amish. Some Amish communities are like this. They don't teach people how to live in the world because they're like, you're never going to need it because you're never going to leave our community. But then like if they do venture out, like, they, they don't have a college, they don't have a high school diploma, they, they don't have a social security number, they can't function in the world, so they take away your independence, like, by just not educating you, and education is just such an important thing, which is why, you know, we got in our soapbox a couple weeks ago about mouse and, like, taking away these educational things to teach children about things that they should know. You know, and it makes me infuriated because, like, when you take education away from people, when you make a population ignorant, you are, like, indoctrinating them into, like, a cult of ignorance. And that's basically what Schaefer was doing because, yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Yeah. That's why it's important not to ban books and not to burn things just because you don't understand them. Because... Yeah, I don't think people should watch Birth of the Nation as, like, a Saturday night film. But I think it's important to see how people get indoctrinated so you can know better than them. Anyways, I'm sorry. Ooh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Tangent. You're good. Ooh, do you want to, do Just, we want to go into, like, the creators for a little bit? Because I know you had more information on them. Oh, yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if I had a whole lot of information, but, um, like we kind of said in our opening, uh, Christabel and Joaquin, they met in school. Um, and I guess they just kind of hit it off because they collaborated on everything together. Um, so they directed the short, uh, Lucia, and they directed a short called Louis, and then Padre Madre, and they directed some music videos for Camilla Moreno, and they actually just directed a short that I just blanked on, Katie may have wrote it down, that Ari Aster produced. It's a short they just did, Ari Aster produced, it was just a year or two ago. The wh- lo- Los Hayes, the Bones? Los Hayes. Yes, The Bones, thank you. Yeah, The Bones was produced by Ari Aster. Oh, so. it's on, it's on Prime. Yep. Nice. I need to watch it. Okay, so yeah, so that's their new one. So yeah, they're just kind of buddies. Now, when they did this movie, they prepared for the film by making a storyboard, but they kind of had the storyboard as a meta, uh, a metamorphosis of one drawing transforming into another one. So they basically, they're like, hey, this is our storyboard. This is a scene. We're going to build everything around this one scene. Okay, we're going to move on to the next scene. And like we said, they used a Canon a camera to do all this. And they just took their 
their time just kind of working on this because it was open house. I think people, my understanding was people could come in and watch them kind of create the movie. So it was mm-hmm. really like collaborative, but it was really, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's interesting to think that these guys could have just been like making these paintings and stuff and people could just watch him walk in and watch them do it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so cool. It's like almost like living art kind of thing, like a performance art. It's almost like performance art. Yeah, I I admired it. I can't believe it took them five years to make it. I can't imagine all the time went into making this movie. Well, everything was was human scale, which I find interesting because usually you see stop motion and it's smaller, obviously. Like uh, Coraline is stop motion as well. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I thought. It would be, but when I found it, it was, like, human scale. And then, like, some stuff some stuff you see and you're like, that's just a towel. <laughs> they just got a towel. Yeah. I was like, I bet it was cheaper because you could just find shit at the thrift store. And I bet it was faster because you didn't have to make everything a scale. But then you had to make everything so big, too. But I think, I think maybe that's why it has such movement because they filmed it in its progression of, like, them building the sets, which looks interesting, but then also, like, I think it probably saved them the hassle of, like, not filming while they were building stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because they just filmed themselves building every set, but made it part of the movie, which I think is pretty interesting. I've never seen a movie like this before. Yeah, me either. And it is our first animated film, surprisingly, because we both really like animated stuff. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of actors in this movie. There's two. Yeah. There's only two. And it's uh, Amelia Kasai, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. So she's Maria Andro, uh, Anna and Pedro's voices. Uh, and she was in Los 80s, a TV series, of course, that was set in Chile. Uh, she was also in Casa de Munecos. And she was Helga in the TV miniseries Helga y Flora. So it seems like she does TV series. But if you look at her IMBD, it's like she does TV series, but a lot of these are lasting roles on TV series, which is interesting. Now, Rainer Krauss is the wolf slash narrator, and this is his only acting credit. He's actually known as a director and writer. He mainly does documentary films. Oh, I like his voice. It's very creepy, but also soothing. Maria. 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 Yep. So it's very creepy. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So there's not a whole. Usually we do actors while we do the plot, but there's not a whole lot of actors. So why why bother? Uh, and it's animated, so a lot of times you'll have multiple people playing multiple parts. Yeah. I guess we need to do the synopsis before we get into spoilers. I did mm-hmm. write one. I'm not gonna give too much away, but in rural Chile, a young girl named Maria takes refuge in a strange house after escaping a sect of German religious fanatics. And that's basically... it's And it's basically the Three Little Pigs, but different. Very different. Yeah, very different. So, this is now spoilers. We're in spoilers. Spoilers. Click away if you don't want spoilers. It's not a, it's not a very long movie. It's only an hour and 13 minutes, though, so... Um, we open with an advertisement for, like, the Colony Honey... And you're like, okay, interesting. And an introduction to the, like, glorious colony. They don't say that, but I feel like they would say that. Like, welcome to our glorious colony of German immigrants. 
Mm-mm. In rural Chile, there's a lot of dog imagery here, like specifically mm-hmm. German shepherds. Which did you know about him and the dogs, Schaefer and Mm-mm. the dogs? Mm-mm. He would do this thing where he would sick his dogs on these children. Oh no! And but but call them back right before they actually hurt the children. So he would be both the villain and the hero. So like mind games, terrifying. Oh god, um, that's awful. So like. Knowing that, and then like there's just like German shepherds everywhere, and I'm just like, uh-huh. which I love. And he German calls himself shepherd, the but... shepherd. He calls himself the shepherd. Yes. He's like as a shepherd of this community, and it shows a picture yes. of a shepherd, and you're like, okay, so yeah. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of like visual cues in this movie, and he's like they're like espousing the purity of their isolated colony, which again is so creepy and incestual because they're like we're like we keep to each other and i'm like oh y'all are gross and their ideal is like helping is happiness which is i'm like okay which again like that's how cults get you in like on the surface it doesn't seem too creepy until you're like isolation bad why do you have so many dogs and why do you have giant walls and so basically they're like to teach this lesson to like new or young members they're not really specific about the age of their audience but they're like we present in like restored form of the tale of maria and the wolf's house or la casa lobo and, and I love it. I do have to say that they're like, thanks to the collaboration of Christopher Leon and Joaquin Colchina. So they like yeah. call them out like, thanks <laughs> to you guys, we can do this. And they're, so. they're, um, oh, I wrote down there, their production company's name has the weirdest. Oh, I thought I wrote it down. Oh, DeLorean. Interesting. The emblem, that's, that's their actual production company, but it's like a bunch of feet in a circle. Um, but I don't know if they did that for this movie or if that's actually their emblem for their production company, but it's fine either way. But we notice when we open the film, Maria is very Aryan looking. She is blonde. She has blue eyes. Um, so like the perfect little German girl. She's not wearing lederhosen, sadly, but she is wearing like a blue dress. And they're talking about Maria in like, they're like, instead of like helping, she was like a dreamer. And she used to sing and dream. And so, like, not espousing the glory of the community. She's not, like, a perfect citizen to this community. But, like, to me, to us, we're like, oh, we love the dreamers. You know, the song Imagine and whatnot. That's what I was saying. I was like, oh, you can say I'm a dreamer. You know, all that stuff. I was like, yeah, like, we like dreamers. But apparently it's not good in this area. Which is common for culty authoritarian cults because they're very much like you don't play you work like and that's the thing is like when you encourage people to dream and think outside the box then they're going to realize that they're getting abused so it's another indoctrination kind of thing so she decides to escape the colony in the middle of the night and she finds refuge in a seemingly abandoned house and she's running away from the wolf yeah which i'm pretty sure the wolf is Schaefer. Yeah, that's what I definitely guessed was that the wolf was Schaefer for sure. Yeah, and he's always there and throughout I, the whole movie. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. Oh, well, you go on. I'm sorry. I, I jumped ahead no, no, go for ahead. a second. Go ahead. So, no, because 
she runs into this house and the house kind of forms as she walks into it mm -hmm. and me and taylor noticed this we both said oh my gosh that's a, is that a swastika the window? and it's the it's the window, yeah, the window starts yes. off as a swastika and then transforms into a window, but you can see the symbol for just yes. a second. And we're like, I noticed it the that second was... time I watched it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what? I don't know. I noticed it the first time. Yeah. Which I'm like, I think I wrote down, yeah, I wrote swastika window. <laughs> Turning, yeah. like, because it's like, are they saying that the, you know, obviously, like, because we know that Schaefer was a Nazi, we're like, oh, we get it. But it's also, like, I, I feel like it's almost insinuating that the colony is the out, outer threat and the wolf is the outer threat because it, it's a swastika, but then it turns into a window and it's safe. So it's almost like, you know, she's running away from that. But it's just, like, it's always there in the background looming. Yeah. But, yeah, I love that part. And it's so interesting how they do that. It's great. Yeah, but it's creepy that the wolf is, like, always there. He's like, Maria. And there's, like, howling yeah. going on in the background a lot. Yeah. And it's, like, they mix it with the wind sound and wolves howling, so you're never quite sure. There's a lot of ambiance in this movie that made me very sleepy when I watched it because there's, like, there's a lot of normal sounds, mm -hmm. like footsteps and the wind blowing yeah. and things creaking. So if you, like, grew up in the old home, you become used to those creaking noises. Yeah. And they're not really scary if you're used to them. So it's right. It's actually weirdly soothing. The, the soundtrack is soothing. <laughs> it's the images. The images yes. that are what is frightening in this movie. So Yes. Well, and there's a lot of, because, like, it's basically morphing from one scene to another. And they don't keep the characters the constant same look. So, like, sometimes yeah. Maria's drawn on the walls of the house. Sometimes she's a whole, like, uh, just a head. Sometimes she's, like, a whole body. Sometimes she looks like more like a doll than a person. And sometimes she's more paper mache. Yeah. It makes everything, it makes everything, I'm sorry, it makes everything feel unstable. And you never quite, because you never feel stable while you're watching it, you don't ever feel secure yes. while you're watching it. And I think that's, I think it's very interesting, but I think that's what makes it kind of harrowing mm -hmm. to watch as And well. if it was longer, so. I would be like, oh, this is miserable. But because it's only about an, a little over an hour, like, it's, it's interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's miserable to watch. And I've seen it twice now, so yeah. I, but it is scary. Like, I was, like, unsettled after watching it. This is probably my favorite part is Maria goes to wash her hands in the bathroom. Oh, also, oh, another symbolic thing. She eats an apple as soon as she gets in. Side. I was like, oh, like Eve? Yeah. Oh, like, she's learning knowledge now because she's escaped the cult. Mm. I don't know if that's their symbol. I'm just guessing. <laughs> like, oh, at this yeah. point. But the apple rots, too. Doesn't the apple rot, no, too, as she it, No, she opens the it? cupboard right after she eats the apple, and then there's bugs everywhere. Okay. So she's, like, washing her hands in the bathroom, which looked like a legit just bathroom, by the way. I kind of loved that about that set. I was like, this just looks like someone's yeah. bathroom. But she finds these two little piglets, and one is bigger than the other one. And she feeds them, and she's basically like, oh, you're safe with me. And they kind of become her companions. And there's this cute little scene where they're just, like, watching TV, which is adorable. I know. I literally, we're literally watching it. And I tell Taylor, I yeah. said, look, it's me and Mabel <laughs> Riley, because the little or the two pigs, like, draped across her lap. Um, you know what I didn't realize until the second time I watched it was that she's literally punished for accidentally releasing three mm. pigs. And I'm like, 
are those two of her three picks she accidentally released? Like, and if so, where's the third pick? And then I was like, is Maria the third pick? Because. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't until the second time I was watching it. I was like, holy fuck. They said she let out three picks. Here's two of the three. Where's number three? Yeah, so she finds these piglets, and at first they're like pets, but then she like wants companions. So she basically, she says she has magic honey from the colony, like the colony honey, but also a magic ball. Um, and she's like, yes, I she's love gonna this transform part. you into people because she's sick of not having people to hang out with. And she basically just tells them like, turn your hooves into hands, and you're just like, okay. And it's so cute. Yeah, though, it's the cute. way they do it though. And also like, they I keep love falling. this part. So it's like, it's definitely like obviously like a metaphor for indoctrination but did you also feel like there's almost like an infantilization of native people in this film i i i i do i i really i wasn't feeling as much until more the second half of the movie definitely more with the second half of the movie i felt that way with this i i at the beginning of the film because you feel bad for Maria, you like she's lonely, and I was like, these are her companions, and she's she's almost just wishing for them to she's wishing for them to communicate yeah. more with her, and so like she's literally playing the game with them, and so which makes sense because she's already having these kind of mm-hmm. dreams and these fantasies. Probably she said the pigs were the only interesting yes. things back at the colony, so I think in the beginning. I don't know. I I don't feel that way at the beginning, but in the second half of the movie, absolutely. And well, also, I, the fact yeah, that so she's definitely older than Pedro, but I don't think she's older than Anna, who's the larger pig. Like, with well, I mean, she's a pig. But mm-hmm. she's a child. Maria's young. And they're also children yeah. <laughs> eventually. And so I'm kind of like, like, it's weird that she's like, I'm your mother, you know? immediately like she takes on a mother role and i'm like why are you her mother and not like their friend um but she like but she's also been taught to you know be a traditional woman you know a trad wife yeah if yeah on the was it what is it tumblr tumblr that's where trad wife comes from I don't really know it's just like those ladies who just want to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen no offense if that is your dream but it's like trad wife where like you don't want to work. You just want to have babies. Well, she she I think it's interesting, too, because she tells him she's like, I'm Maria. I'm mother and I'm an angel. So it's like I think there's this idea because she's a child that even though she was escaping from the colony, she also wanted to be what she saw you know, as a child, you think of your parent, like, maybe as, like, you don't, maybe you don't think your mom's an angel, but in a lot of ways, your parents yeah. are your protectors and your saviors. Also, they take care of you. It's almost like what Maria's doing. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm like your savior, too. And I think she does want to save them. And she yeah. thinks that by turning them from pigs to humans, and then later on, she changes them, their appearance to be more like hers. It is, like, to me, I'm, like, it's that rejection of Native people that was especially conscious in the Nazi, you know, regime. Like, oh, no, you gotta be Aryan. I'm, like, not all German people are blonde hair, blue-eyed. Yeah, and that's, well, when she even gives them the clothes to put on, they become human. Their first human transformation, she's, like, I gave them dignity. So she gives them clothes. She transforms them. They, they're going from pigs to human children. Yes. That's the first step in dignity. And they look like native um, children at first. But we also they have dark we see hair the, and darker, a darker skin tone. Yeah. Which would be normal in Chile. 
But, you know, again, it's a colony full of creepy Aryan children living in the middle of Chile. Well, I think it's it's interesting because after they become their first human transformation, she tells the children, she's like, the only way to be safe is to listen mm-hmm. to me. And so it feels like she's repeating yes. a lot of what Which she is, saw. That is normal at the when you, like, it's like the cycle of abuse. It's like, you don't yeah. want to, you don't know any better because you've been indoctrinated to raising children this way because you were raised that way which is sad do you realize too at this point so i wrote this in my notes so after this too so we see the scene of little pedro sitting on the toilet and he's scared and anna i mean maria comes in and comforts him and she's dressed differently she's Mm -hmm. dressed womanly she's wearing like a tunic top and pants she looks older and so it feels like she's more mm-hmm. motherly looking. Like she's not really the child that she's she like, was at the like beginning of the film. Almost. It's like make-believe. Because she doesn't mm-hmm. she doesn't really yeah. understand. And she does like, she after that part, yeah. she tells Pedro this story of the little doggy in the house. I hate it too. I hate this story. Can we tell it or do you want to tell it? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you tell so, it because I hate uh, it. So. Like, I'm like, by the way, like Gizmo is with me like, both times I watched this, I was like, mm, poor little doggy. I think of, like, little gizmo when I think of the story. So the little doggy lived in a safe home. And the home warned the dog. This is like, it's like the giving tree or something. Like, a really sick version of the giving tree. That is a sick book, anyways. I hate that book. Um, Love Shell Silverstein. Yeah. Just to hate that one. Hate it. Anyways. Um, the home warned the dog to stay inside because the outside is dangerous. But then the dog runs away. And then the tree, like, smells injury, which makes me, like, oh. And the little dog never came back. And the house was sad. Yeah, I'm like, it's fucked up. And it's, like, definitely, like, it's, like, the Mm -hmm. cycle of child abuse. Because she's, like, she's not meaning to. She's trying to be better. But she's basically, like, hey, this this is a warning. If you ever leave, you may not come back. And I won't be able to protect you. So don't leave. And I feel like there's a lot of, like... They don't flat out talk about the sexual abuse in this movie, but I feel like that the hovering of the wolf, like sometimes his eyes will just be watching Maria, like sometimes she's sleeping. And like, I feel yeah. like there's a lot of undercurrent of like that kind of abuse and just abuse in general and how he's always there. He's the permanent uncle, which is still the stupidest fucking name. To quote David from um, from yeah. Shit's Creek, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, it's stupid and creepy. It also, is like, is it not cliche to be the molesting uncle? Like, isn't it always like the creepy uncle who's? I'm sorry, this is what I mean in pop culture. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, no. Also, I don't know if we need to put a warning on this episode, like, because we are going to talk about it's like you can't talk about this without knowing all of that because he was such a rampant pedophile and it's awful you know but i don't know if we need to like put a yeah. warning an extra warning at the beginning like hey we always warn you guys but like i'm sorry if this triggers anybody like i really am because like i don't know it's just it's really depressing it really disturbed me the first time i saw it and i think because i had a little bit of time in between them i'm like easier yeah. to talk about but it gets a point when you talk about child abuse where, like, I just start wanting to, like, cry. Like, the Josh Duggar thing when they were yeah. like, oh, there was, like, a six-month-old in some of those things he had. I'm like, how can mm. you do it to a baby? A baby? Anyways, I'm sorry. Pedophiles yeah. suck. 
Well, that's you know, and that's a, this is this is what's sad. It's because you. It's interesting you you mention that because Maria says she remembers things and she wakes up crying, but she's like, I can't let Anna and Pedro see me cry, and I feel like that's even more maternal. Is that she's suffering? These things are yeah. inside her, and she's suffering, and she can't say it for the sake but of she's her also children. A child herself, um, which she's is really terrifying. upsetting. Yeah, and she's a child herself, but she's she's being mm-hmm. maternal towards these creatures. And this is what this scene mm-hmm. really bothered me is because she she they're at the table and they have this candlelight dinner, and um. Anna and Pedro aren't talking, and she's like, it frustrates me because they mm-hmm. don't talk to me. And she's like, she's telling them, like, she's like, oh, you look so beautiful, Anna, but they don't respond back to her. And I, I, I wasn't for sure, but it kind of made me feel sick, like, in my head that she thought they were disabled or just in some way because they weren't also, responding to her. Like, that could be it, or is it the rejection of native people? Because remember, they wouldn't know the same language, so you automatically yeah. think somebody is not intelligent because they don't speak the same language as you. It's like when people came over from Europe to the Americas and they just assumed native people were not intelligent because they couldn't communicate with them because they spoke different languages. When that was not the truth at all, you know. I feel like it's well, a little bit of that. Did you read? Did you read this in your? Did you read this in your, and when you were looking up information about this movie, did you read that the Germans in the colony referred to the Chileans, if that's the correct word, as uh, basically like Schwein, which is yeah. like pig Schwein. in German language. So they did refer to them as less yeah, than really gross. human. So, which, yeah, which is really upsetting which- when you think about. To the three main Which characters makes more being sense. Pigs. So I think it is very so. symbolic of them indoctrinating people outside of the cult. But then towards the end, it's like they wouldn't actually. In- yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, it's 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 race purity. It's gross. Yeah, it's there's something just so disturbing about rejecting somebody because of yeah. their hereditary background that I don't understand. Um, but we're not racists. So. Yeah, Pedro knocks a candle over. And he sets him and Anna on fire. And Maria hears the wolf's voice. She's like, the wolf tells her she can't take care of the pigs. And then he's like, I know I'm hard on Maria, but it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be good for her. And then I don't know if you notice this. I have a very stupid note where it's like, you see little Pedro's room. And I'm like, I don't know how old this archive video is supposed to be, but there's like second generation Pokemon <gasps> stickers on the that. desk. Oh my God. You- <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's. There's like there's like second gen Pokemon stickers. I'm like I I think this is supposed to be a video is, from the 70s, but... but those are very distinctly like early oh, 2000s. Wow. So, <laughs> well, but this is the scene where uh she she covers Pedro honey. in the honey. So I figured yeah. he would like to talk about yeah covering Pedro Which, in the I, honey. I mean so. the honey's like yellow, so um I guess symbolic of I don't of Aryanism maybe or maybe. They just liked, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of blues and yellows in this movie. Um, like, Maria's always wearing blue, and there's a lot of yellows. Um, but so, yeah, like, like you're right. The wolf is, like, taunting Maria, like, you can't take care of them. I can. And then she's, like, 
heals Anna and Pedro slowly with honey. And at first she just covers them with honey. And then eventually yeah. she... This was... Okay, this is... Okay, so, like, they still kind of look like themselves. They're human forms. But then, like, she feeds Pedro the honey. And she's like, you have to make a choice to be strong. To be what you were meant to be. And so he eats the honey and then he turns into a little blonde child. And later Hosen. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah. I'm like, ah! And it's, it's sickening. Because she says, oh, you're yeah. so handsome now. And I was like, I was like, yeah. flip a table. This is when, like, like, what I started getting fuck? very uncomfortable. So. Like, oh, this is like, oh, it's like that, is it? <laughs> like, I was like, and, mm-hmm. and Anna, too. Anna transforms yeah. into a, a beautiful blonde child. And then there's this haunting song. That, like, they, they're, like, holding hands. They look like, like the, um, the... R- ramping crants what rumble crants what is this the, the the frosty the snowman people the oh yeah 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 like the yeah uh, like, it's like it's like a it's like a it's like a an amalgamation of that and then like you know those like my my hey cat i don't know if cat's listening but my friend cat has a collection of those like german christmas mice that have like little red cheeks and stuff and some of them are really oh, cute but yeah, some of them yeah. are kind of creepy and like it depends like some of them I'm like oh it's adorable and sometimes i'm like that's straight from hell so it's kind of like both of those but they're just like holding hands and singing and maria's in a white dress the whole time but pedro and anna's keep changing from blue to red to yellow you know a little sleeping beauty action and this isn't the song that they sing that i yeah. recognize but they did sing a song that i sang with a children's chorus I was in when I was a little girl for a German heritage club. They were not Nazis. It was just the town I grew up in had a lot of German people. It's They don't have that club anymore. Um, they were very rude to us, too. Like, we got hired, and they wouldn't let our parents listen to us sing. They were very creepy. But I was, like, a baby. And so we learned – we you know, you learn, like, songs of a bunch of different languages when you, like, do chorus work because it's more interesting than just singing in English. But it's sleep gently sleep or schlaf kindlein schlaf like that's the little lullaby she sings. So again, for some reason, like another song. This is like the third movie we've done, where there was like a song I sang in a children's chorus when I was like eight that is just like randomly in there, and I'm like, oh my god. So, but it's a very common German lullaby. It's pretty. It's not as <laughs> there is pretty German music. You just have to kind of go searching for it. Clara Schumann is my favorite, like, German composer. She has very pretty, pretty, pretty songs. But then you have to speak German, and it's a very harsh language. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, but I was, I forgot to say that earlier. I was like, like, yeah, she sings, like, a little German song. But they sing this song, and it, I don't know. It's haunting. Like, it's a lot of, like, ah, like, ahs, and it's, like, really high. Like, yeah. it's, like, it's it's very creepy. And, like, Pedro's singing the lead because he's a little, but, like, it's, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> but they're, like, but, you know, they're a family now and they embrace each other. And everything seems fine except that they're running out of food. And this, and they say a lot of time has passed. So they start running out of food. Yeah. And uh, Maria gets suspicious of Pedro and Anna who are whispering to each other. And then she comes in the room and they're like, oh, it's nothing. And you're like, oh, okay. And Maria's like, I know it's the hunger yeah. that's getting to them. 
I have to go out for food. But she's indoctrinated them that it's evil to leave the house, so they won't let her leave the house. And then, then it really gets weird, because they tie her to the bed, and they're going to eat her. Which, again, is like, it's, I, I think what the cult is trying to say is like, you can try, I do not believe this, by the way, but I think what the cult is trying to say is like, you can try to humanize the shrine, the piglets, but they'll never, they'll always turn against you. You can only trust your own kind because they are racial purists, which is an evil, evil, disgusting thing. And I think that's what they're trying to say is that they're going to turn against you because they're not you, which is not true and which is gross. Yeah. But again, that's what Colonia Dignidad did. Like, they didn't let native people in. That's why it's so fucking creepy. Like, can you imagine walking through, like, Chile and you're like, this is such a nice, lovely, I don't know, I've never been to Chile, but, (laughs) but like, oh, it's so nice. And there's just a creepy little, like, town of, like, blonde people. Like, why are you here? It's like, it's like, if the, it's like if the cult from Midsummer was just hanging out in, like, I don't know, somewhere else. I don't know. It's creepy. But I think, I mean, is that, am I, that's what I got from it, was that you can't trust other people outside the cult. Even if you try to teach them in our ways, they're not going to be the same. Which. Yeah. It's very sad. Which is really sad. But yeah, I think that's probably right on the nose. And then you feel bad. I don't know about you, but I felt bad, like, that I got that. I was like, oh, it's so gross. Like, I was like, I don't, why do I understand but I think it's the storytelling, but I'm like, uh, it just makes me feel icky all over. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's very icky. But, you know, there's a lot of inspiration from Grimm's, yeah. Grimm's fairy tales in this, too. So it makes sense that, like, you, you very quickly get what the lesson behind it is. So. Yes. But, yeah. And what's really upsetting is that because they turn on her so quick, Maria begs no. the wolf for help and to eat Pedro and Anna so before sad. they eat her. Because she loved them so much. But yeah, she when the time comes, she's like, eat them. Yeah. Let me go. Just eat and them. And they're like, so. oh. And she went back to the colony and she became helpful and happy and raised all the colony children. And then the movie just ends. Oh, well, oh, yeah. and now, little pig, do you want me to take care of you too? So Paul... Paul, and that's not the ending, because I do have one more thing, but Paul offers to take care of you, too. But I don't know if you saw, after the credits end, there is a live-action shot of a little girl feeding a piglet, and I don't know if it's supposed to be Maria or not. So Uh, so that's the movie. Mm -hmm. It's... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's devastating, because, okay, Maria literally cannot escape psychologically... Or physically, she begs to go back. Like, she begs to go back. And I think that's the most devastating, Mm -hmm. knowing that's what they did to these people. That, like, hey, no matter how bad things are here, you will want to come back if you get out. And that's why only five people escape Colonial Dignidad. Five. One of the men that was in both of the documentaries I watched about Colonial Dignidad, um, he... did escape five times but he went back every time because he didn't have any resources and he didn't want to leave his family and but he escaped five times and he went back five times because he could not function outside of the cult and that is a 
huge, like that is a really big problem. But anyways, was there any other symbolic stuff, metaphors we didn't talk about that you had written down? Uh, I think it is interesting that they kept that they the wolf kept calling uh, Murray a little bird, and that there were scenes she yeah. literally transform into a bird. She transforms into a bird at the end and of the movie and flies away. The yellow bird gave Anna a voice, so I thought mm-hmm. the bird was like free speech. Yeah, I, I think Maria yeah. is supposed to be the yellow bird. I think Maria is supposed to be the little bird. You know, you're. The I, yellow I bird, think sorry. That, to me, I was like, I think the yellow bird maybe symbolizes like freedom of speech and free thought. But then the little bird flies away and Maria goes mm-hmm. back to the cult. So that's what I thought maybe it was. Or maybe yeah. she's the yellow bird. I don't know. Or maybe she was the little bird and then she lost her mm-hmm. freedom yeah. by going back to the cult. I will yeah. say it's depressing, it but it's sad. also like, yeah, I mean, it's really depressing. But it's not like the worst ending. It's pretty bad, but it's it goes the way you think it's gonna go if you know that it's a propaganda film if you don't know it's a propaganda film it's probably quite a shock yeah the ending i would say that's the wolf house it's a doozy it is did you have any like any like what was your favorite part about it or your favorite parts or the good parts yeah my favorite part um i i i mean i have like you said too you said too i've never seen anything like it before um it was very visually interesting so yeah, my my personal favorite part is when um, her little piggies start to get hands. I love the scene because she throws the ball. They're being drawn on the wall and she throws the ball and they like kind of reach out of the wall to like tap the ball with their little hoof. And it's really adorable. Like it's the one part of the movie that wasn't yeah. kind of creepy to me. It was more cute in a way. I think I like the part where Anna was like, the little bird gives her her voice and tells her, like, she can go name all the flowers. And then, like, her whole room is, like, floral. Like, is there just flowers everywhere? It's kind of like the sister from Encanto. Oh, yeah. And it was it was also a little creepy because there was, like, a flower that sprouted out of her hand. It was, like, stigmata. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's also, yeah, that's exactly what I wrote down was the stigmata and then the yeah, flower comes it was out of the hand. Creepy. So, But also pretty. So, and I like, I like that this movie sent me down a rabbit hole but and how they mask it so well and yeah i think it's important to talk about the dangers of propaganda and the dangers of like isolationism is that what you call it isolationist i know there's a lot of people right now who are very into like isolating us as a country and i'm like i do get that we need to take care of the people in our country first but you can't ignore what's happening around the world because one of the reasons why world war ii was so bad was because we did try to stay out of the war for such a long time and you know it wasn't until most of europe had been overtaken that we did finally get involved and like i'm i don't like war no one likes war but like it is dangerous to isolate yourself completely from anybody like isolation is just bad it's it's not a good thing in any context and i do like how this movie kind of like brings that Especially, like, with, you know, isolating people, you know, keeping them from reading books and things like that. Not a cool thing. Not a cool thing. Also, this yeah. movie's really short. It's an hour, 13 minutes. Super watchable. Yeah. And uh, y'all should definitely watch it. I think the only bad thing is, like, because it, it is so desolate, I don't know how many times I would rewatch it. I don't think I could have watched it twice this weekend, honestly, because I was like, hmm. This, I already saw it once. I just need to see it one other time. 
And also, I think you need to know the context before you watch it. Because yeah. I think it is so realistic, it could be dangerous if the, like, a if a younger person who maybe isn't super worldly and didn't know the context, I feel like, you know, that can get a little dangerous. I feel like context is important here. But I don't think, it's not the filmmaker's fault. I just think, like, I'm American. I didn't know that much about this until after I saw the movie. And then I was like, oh. So. I agree. It Was that was that your cons too, Katie? So was your pros and yeah, cons I mean, kind of together? Also, you know, if we're in a world where people okay. think magnets are in vaccines, <laughs> you kind of have to over-explain things. I will say, so this is not really like a con-con, but my little wrapped up is I've, I've never done acid, but I imagine this is what yeah. being on an acid trip feels like. It's pretty uh, trippy. So it's, uh, it was very, it was very, it felt unstable and claustrophobic watching it. And there's a lot of heavy themes to take in. I feel like if you're a sensitive person, this mm-hmm. is a harder movie to watch. And I, I am a sensitive person. And then I did watch it twice within three days which was probably not the smartest thing to do i was kind of so, glad I, that well yeah. i really wanted to do this one but i'm glad we picked we ended up picking this one because i had another choice but i think because i only had to watch it once this weekend whereas the other one i hadn't seen yet so the other one also yeah. had heavy 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 subject matter so i guess we weren't getting yeah. out of it this week we did a lot of pleasant films ganja <laughs> wasn't pleasant but it's kind of interesting and Eve's Bayou was not yeah. scared sad it was sad but it was also very funny it was you know it had it was uplifting at parts very it balanced. was a well-rounded yes. movie yes I think we can say that which thanks yeah, everyone very for the attention on that by the way did you have a uh grindhousey a grindhousey and I really wrote for this three book? I think I know which one's my favorite I, I okay. couldn't think of anything, and then all of a sudden my brain okay. was like, ugh, write this down. Rated N for Nazis in wolf's clothing. Rated, okay. you know what we should do? Rated, rated P for permanent uncle in wolf's clothing. Anyways. Rated G for the girl who cried cult. Oh. And rated H for honeypots nice. and hidden houses. Ah, you know what? I had an H rating. Mine was rated H for hungry piggies and heartbroken Aww. houses. That one's cute. Which one do we like best? I I I like all yours now. The your three, Katie. I think my favorite was the girl who cried cult because it's kind of cry wolf and cry cult, and it has a wolf in the movie. That's so my it's favorite also cult. one. Yeah, I think that works. Okay, yay! Yeah. What's your what's your uh what's your typical rating score? Oh, this is so interesting. I I would probably give this like an eight eight point five. It's a it's a strong movie. Like okay. it's not for everybody, but like for a stop motion animation and how unique it is, um, and how much it forced me on a rabbit hole, I'd probably say like eight eight point five. What do you think? Okay, I'll be honest. So it wasn't a long movie. You're right. I think it was only seventy three minutes, but I actually oh. gave it a seven. I think it was very interesting. I actually thought this would have been phenomenal as a short documentary film. Yeah. I think if, like, this had been made into, like, a 25-minute movie and they did a short documentary based on yeah. Colonia Dignidad with this, I I think it would have got showcased in a hell of a lot more places. Because it's very interesting. And I it, the, the animation is absolutely unique. But I think being an acid trip for 73 <laughs> minutes is a lot for some people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it has rewatchability. I don't know. That's, yeah. But yeah, I really mm-hmm. liked it. I thought it was really good. Okay, so it's, uh, I think that wraps up Wolf House. Was there anything I missed? Yep. Anything? No, I think we covered it. it. Between 
two directors, two actors in a 73-minute movie. I, I think we're, we're yes! good. So. <laughs> so that means it's Fritz Pick. What's yeah. your pick? Yeah, it is. So our next episode will be premiering um, first week of March. And I know we are hitting around International Women's Day. So I did want to pick a movie with a female director. Uh, we also wanted to pick one that wasn't too, too long because we are insanely mm-hmm. busy this time of year. Um, but we are doing A Girl Walks Home mm-hmm. Alone at Night, which mm-hmm. is streaming on Shudder. It is a vampire vampire spaghetti western film. And I hope I don't mispronounce the director's name, but her name is Anna Lily Amirpour. Amirpour? So yeah, Amirpour, so it's a lady yeah. director too. And she is, this was her directorial debut. So I guess with that, we are going to say goodnight. Be careful out there. Yes. Um, wash your hands. Take your vitamins. Be good. And I did want to give a shout out. There, We were approached by a short film, Hallowed, the short film. Hallowed short film is their Instagram handle. And they are currently like doing a Kickstarter to fund their movie. So, and it's a female writer-director, and she seems really cool. I saw some of her short films on her personal Instagram page, and um, if you guys can stop by and check on them, and if you have some funds to donate, donate. If not, just keep, follow them on Instagram so they've got an audience, so when the movie does come out, you can support them. I like her, a lot of her horror shorts that she has on her Instagram page seem really interesting and pretty so um i can't wait to see it but yeah we were just you know help your fellow creatives out there and make sure you support anything you know um i thought that was really cool oh we forgot to say ivan reitman passed away sadly the director of animal house and ghostbusters oh yeah that so, is so sad um, condolences to his family and thank you for two of my absolute favorite comedy movies of all time i'll pour out an ecto cooler for you if i could get my hands on them oh. yeah that was really sad but um but be good to one another you know I, we're gonna try to watch all the oscar movies before we have the oscar episode but don't sweat it if you can't watch all of them don't spend a bunch of extra money renting them unless you oh. got that um, there's so much stuff coming on streaming. I want to warn you guys. Unless you start t- started, unless you guys start in like August, it's yeah. almost impossible yeah. to see all of them because there's so yes. many and of them. So um, yeah, but that's okay. Read, 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 read. When in doubt, read the ones that people talk about. So keep an eye out. Keep take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. We love you guys. Thank you so much for. We have a bunch of new followers. On Instagram and like our listeners, our number of listeners from like the previous two weeks to what movie did we just do before Eve's Bayou? Oh Censor. my god, Censor. Our, our Censor, Censor episode like didn't do- like had a lot more listeners early on, which thank you. Um, also, uh, the director, Prano Bailey Bond, liked all of our Instagram posts about it. If you were listening, thank you. Yes. You're cool. We like you. Come on our podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I wish we had reached out to you because right. So uh, that yes. was really cool. And then Lynn yep. Whitfield from Eve's Bayou liked our post today about Eve's Bayou, which that's really cool. Thank you, Miss Whitfield. You're cool. You do a it really good cool. job in that movie. And uh, 
it honestly was I feel like it's both of one of our favorites that we've done. It's so Yeah, good. it's phenomenal. So I don't give out nines pretty regularly. I think I've only given out four or five nines in 88 movie. movies. So, yeah. Yeah. It was one of my nines. But that was, yeah. I, thank you. Ratings always help. Sharing. We love hearing the comments. But I know, like, some people are really into comments. Some people aren't. I yeah. like the discourse. I know Britt likes the discourse. We love it. Thank you guys so much for all your support. And... Well, it's still Black History Month when we're here, but, you know, amplify black voices. Don't, you know, do your best to be an ally to everybody if you can. But anyways, we love you. Thank you for listening. On to Brit. Sorry, I keep rambling. So, yeah, guys, uh, I hope you have a good rest of your morning, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you're listening. A uh, shout out to Stephanie. I know she usually listens to us in the morning. So, good morning, Steph. Um, so, <laughs> but I hope you guys, ha- good morning. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I say this every week, do something nice for yourself. Uh, it is still winter and mm-hmm. it's cold and where we live at, it can't make up its mind. It's usually freezing in the morning. Yeah. It's hot in the afternoons. Um, it's, it's a crazy time of year. So be, be kind to each other. Be kind to yourself. I hope you take a hot bath today or you drink your favorite energy drink. Or you watch a great movie, even if it's one you've seen a hundred times. Just if it makes you feel good, yeah. watch it. We love y'all. We thank you for your likes, your comments, your shares, your subscribes. Uh, however you want to listen to us, if you tell a friend about us, we appreciate each and every single one of you. So thank you for being you, and thank you for being here and supporting us. So yeah, with that, here's a reminder, drink your water. Um, and as always, we just look forward to seeing you uh, same time next week. Thanks for the channel. Thanks for the y'all. Thanks for the y'all. Good night, everybody. Good night, Katie. Night, Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.